Good morning, everybody. I don't know you've been, I've been out trying to recruit people uh, for Upward, but I just want to let you know Upward uh, sports is a little different than what we've been used to. Upward is a ministry. As you saw right there, during the practices and game days, we'll be sharing the gospel from the coaches. And even in game day, we don't have halftime uh, devotion testimonies. But what, what we do need is, uh, as you see up there, the timeline. We got a timeline already set up. Uh, and we'll kick it off in the fall. But the first timeline up there is May 1st. I need some key people to come in and help drive this. I know nothing about soccer. All I know is my granddaughter's been involved in it. I do know when she scores. But we didn't have tools with other for us to come in to, uh, to, to learn about it, to give us guidance. Every playbook, coach's playbook, has devotions, uh, directions, gives you everything you need to know about what you need to do. What we got to do here, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we've been surrounded by housing developments. We got to have a way to reach out to these people. What we haven't been able to do is we used to in the past, we used to get together um, during the week, go out and knock on people's door. That don't happen anymore. What we got to do though is bring them to, to, to the campus. And the people that we bring to the campus, 40% of them have no church affiliation. And uh, age somewhere, as Pastor Ken talked last week about the oscillating fan, oscillating fan. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Katie and I, and Pastor Dale passed away. We were in the low point. I called him. We went and went with other and researched to see what it was all about. And uh, Upward is all about sharing the gospel. And what I need from you is don't worry about age, like I said. Keep telling myself, I'm 71 years old. I don't need to be 71. I'm too old. But you're not too old. Everybody has a part in this ministry. We want you to reach out to the people on game day. And so, every, what happened is these people have moved in here. They've got no family. Nobody close by. My son moved to Florida. We, he has nobody around him. But the first thing he did was start looking for a church family. We like these people that are looking for a church family to come and talk to strangers. Will they all come in here? I don't know. But what we will do is we'll be sharing the gospel to these children. Hopefully we can get them here in the Sunday school. Because if you don't have the children in Sunday school, you don't, they don't get a good foundation. My children have been real blessed people here at Poplar Springs over here, well, God, men and women that uh, have ministered to our children. Pastor Jory Burnett led our daughter to Christ when he was there with the children in these ministry. I'm going to show you a couple more pictures up here. Uh, Hudson Creek. If you look up there, there's a line of people out there. Those people are lined up to enroll their kids. This is life saving. Enroll their kids 
in a upward soccer program, which they know is a Christian environment. And so, G3 represents the Gainville Bank, Washington. This place for everyone. Young, old, and everything. I need you to come and join us. Help us minister to these people and invite them to come be part of Papa's room. One thing I want to share with you, Ricky, comes out of the Texas man. comes from Matthew 5.13 says, You are a soul on earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on stand for it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Come join this program and let's be that light. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Now, you may say, I don't know a soccer ball from a, a bowling ball. Well, if you kick one of them, you're going to break your foot. And the other one, you're going to have some fun with. So if you have any interest, please see Doug. And he and Patty have already uh, put their money where their mouth is. They're uh, financially invested in this. And some of us need to step forward. And, so, you know... One of my favorite movies is The Untouchables with Sean Connery and Kevin Costner. It's an old movie, but here's what Sean Connery asked him throughout the movie in order to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. What are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? And that's how it is with this church, too. What are you prepared to do to reach kids and young people?
Can we hear it for these kids one more time? Great job. Will you stand with us as we begin to lift our voices together? This is my father's world.
my mother's womb. You formed me with your hand, known and loved by you. Before I took a breath, when I doubted, Lord, remind me, I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter, I'm the canvas and the clay. And you make all things work together for my
grateful we are that you are the artist and the potter. And we confess to be canvas and clay in your hands. And just would that you would have your way in our lives. Lord, thank you for reminding us when we forget you have a plan for us. You have a plan for our church. Lord, nothing is wasted when it comes from you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Good to see you this morning. And uh, hello, anybody there? Howdy. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Hey, do me a favor. Stand up. Stand. Just go ahead and do this. Stand up. Turn around. Shake somebody's hand. All right. Shake somebody's hand. Say good morning. Say hello. Still just glad to be here. season of the church is it's a great joy for me and i do love you and dude i'm telling you i, I listen I, I i really love you i i take a bullet for you i mean in the fleshy part of my leg but i'll take it all right i'll take it but uh, i do i love you and i just appreciate your leadership and um just asking god to continue to give you health and strength and much grace during these days and and you know what we saying is true god doesn't waste a failure or sorrow or heartache, does he? And what he's doing, he's doing for his glory. And, uh, and that's really what it's all about. If you have a copy of God's Word, look with me in the book of 1 Thessalonians. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're just going to spend some weeks together going through this wonderful book. You know, 1 and 2 Thessalonians are a couple of books in the New Testament that if you're not careful, you can overlook. I mean, you got, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and those are amazing books that the Apostle Paul penned to those churches. But then you can kind of, if you're not careful, you kind of skip over, and you got First and Second Timothy, and we, we, we seem to teach a lot out of those six books. But at times, that First and Second Thessalonians can just be two very small books that we can overlook. But they are amazing books. And I'm so glad the Lord has put uh, this book upon my heart. Now, you will know that in Acts chapter 17, you will find there how the church at Thessalonica was birthed. And I won't have time to go there today, but I would encourage you uh, to, to look that up. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. It's Paul's second missionary journey, and he finds his way to Thessalonica. And you learn much, even about that church then, on that second missionary journey. We're going to see some major themes in this book. This book is filled with apologetics. Some of you may be fascinated by apologetics and understanding biblical truth. Well, it's full of that. It's a beautiful portrait of a healthy, growing church. But yet that church is in a difficult place to be a healthy, growing church. And so that should grab our attention right there. Do you, would you not agree with me that we are living in difficult days? I mean, you and I are seeing some things that we never, ever thought that we would see. And so it's becoming even more difficult, even in this day. And so we're going to learn much by this church. We're going to look at the example of shepherding. And we're going to see how what, what true ministry really looks like in gospel proclamation. And we're going to see the future hope that the church has. Listen, we may live in difficult days. And there are some things that I don't like. I do not like that I'm paying almost $4 for a gallon of gas. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness? All right. I don't like it, but you know what? Listen, here's what I do know. This world is not my home. I am just passing through. There is a place that God is preparing for His redeemed people. And we have to be reminded that this earth is not it. There's coming a better day and a better place that is out of this world that God is preparing for His people. And if you're not careful, you know what? We will forget that. And we will live and we will act like somebody licked the red right off of our candy, right? And we just kind of live in the, you know, poor old pitiful me. Well, I don't want to live there and I don't want you living there either, amen? We don't we want to stay there. And so, so here, this, this, this capital city of Macedonia, it was a huge place for political and commercial activity. And uh, so it's a very strategic place. About 200,000 people in Paul's day lived in this area. So it was a very strategic area. And Paul, on that second missionary journey, goes into the synagogue of the Jews, as he did on all of his journeys. And in that place, he began to share the one true hope of 
of a Jesus who lived, who died, was buried, and rose again. And the Bible says that many people believed. Even some of the Jews believed. Even, even some of the... Uh, I mean, it was amazing. And God birthed a church right there. And so, I want us to spend some time for the next month or so just really digging in this book because I believe it's exactly where, as a church, we need to be. So, if you found your place, 1 Thessalonians 1, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Matter of fact, here we go. Test time. You ready? This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Father, how we thank You and praise You for today. God, thank You for our time of worship. Lord. Our children as our adults have led us today. God, thank you for the leadership. Thank you for Scott. Thank you for these, this praise team, these musicians. God, thank you. Lord, thank you for just the announcement of Upward Soccer. God, thank you for Doug and his sweet wife. And Lord, just leading in that effort. And God, we pray that even now, many are going to participate and watch you work. And ministering to children and families so that, Lord, you can, you can do a, a, a powerful work in their hearts and lives. And Lord, we, we pray that hundreds would be a part of that experience. Lord, today, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures that we have. Lord, thank you today that, that we can read them, believe them, study them, be changed by them. And Lord, I'm asking you to come in great power by the power of your Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, I know that you are the only teacher of truth. And so I'm asking you to come and cause this word to come alive. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us right where we are. But Lord, don't leave us where we are today. I pray, God, that we would be drawn close. I pray that you would do a work of grace in each of us today. That we can know that we have been in your presence. And God, that we want others to be and, and to experience you as well. And so, Lord, you take this time and you do with it whatever brings you the greatest measure of glory. 
And God, for all this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Three things I want you to see this morning. The first one is this. Belonging to Jesus is all about grace. Let me say that again. Belonging to Jesus is all about grace. When this letter starts, I love it. It's going to be like bookends when Paul talks about grace and peace. But catch that in verse 1. He talks about grace to you and peace. Grace and peace. And if you know anything about Paul's writing, you will know this. It is always in that order. Grace and peace. Do you understand that order is important? It's always grace than peace. You will never know God's peace without knowing God's grace. God's unmerited favor in your life. Can anybody here today, and if I were just kind of pass a mic around today, how many of you could take that microphone today and you could share with me your salvation experience? The day that God's grace became real to you. For me, it was June 11th, 1978. I was 16 years old, just down the road in Greer, South Carolina. And Dr. J. Harold Smith came to preach that week. Sunday morning to Sunday morning revival. That would kill most Baptists today, right? It was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and the Sunday morning. I couldn't tell you anything that man preached any of those services except the last one. Because it was that last service that I felt like I was the only person in that room the first time. Listen, I knew facts about Jesus, but I'd never been convicted about sin. But I was convicted by sin and I saw myself separated from God. And for the very first time, I knew that I needed God's grace and I needed God's mercy. And as a 16-year-old young person can, as much as I could know about Jesus, I cried out for God to save me. And I'm telling you, He did. I know that I know that I know that God's grace has been extended to me. And because I have tasted grace and it is amazing. And it is sweet. And it is wonderful. Because I've tasted grace. Guess what? I know His peace. I have peace with God. I'm not an enemy of God anymore. I have peace with God. And I have the peace of God living in me. Peace only happens through grace. And so what you need to know this morning is that belonging to Jesus is all about grace. It's not about being a member of a church. I I know a lot of people who've been a member of a church, but they were lost as a ball in high weeds. I've met some folks that have been baptized. Let me tell you something, friend. You can be baptized or the bullfrogs call you brother, but if you've not tasted grace, you're not born again. Do you understand when God saves somebody, God changes them? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen? The old is passed away. And guess what? Behold, all things start becoming what? New. So there is this picture of this supernatural work of grace. This unmerited favor of God. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, said it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus 
Christ. And so Paul is saying, hey, we're we're giving thanks because we know that we've been born again. And then in verse 4 he says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God. You understand that grace comes to you and I because God loves us. Isn't that a good thought? I mean, we all want to be loved. But God loves us. That God loved me and God loved you when we were far from Him. And we know that because the Bible says that God demonstrated that love while we were far from God. He sent Jesus. Well, hallelujah for that. Grace and peace. It is a supernatural change that flows from the loving heart of God. Can't go to Walmart and buy it. Can't order it on Amazon. I cannot give it to you today. It's not mine to give. But God can give you eternal life. There was a man that came up to D.L. Moody on one occasion. And uh, he stopped him and he said, Mr. Moody. The guy was inebriated. And he said, you converted me at one of your meetings. And D.L. Moody replied, well, it certainly looks as if I did convert you. Because if Jesus had converted you, you wouldn't be drunk. (laughs) It's It's not about you making a decision. I want you to hear me say that again. Because sometimes I think when it comes to salvation, our theology is rotten. The reason that me, you can know God is because God initiated first. Amen? He he did it. He did it through His Son, Jesus. And so I I just, I don't want to, you know, belabor this point, but you've got to know this. Belonging to Jesus is all about grace. The gospel has the power to change lives. And I love that's the way Paul starts out this book. I mean, he just keeps going back to the gospel, to the gospel, to the gospel. Second thing I want you to see is this. To be a part of a a community of grace is something to be thankful for. So think about that. I can be saved. You can be saved. God puts us together and he calls it what? Church. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, what is a church? I might get several different responses. Matter of fact, I want you to stay with me for just a second, okay? How many times have you ever heard somebody say, we're going to church? Like it's it's a social club, somewhere that you go, right? It may not be what you mean, but sometimes I think we say it. We talk about joining a church. I mean, uh, we, we, we talk about joining a church the same way we might be talking about joining Sam's whole club. Sometimes we say things like this. I really enjoyed the church like it was a show or something that entertains us. I want to remind you today. I'm going to put all the cookies on the bottom shelf for all of us today. I want you to understand that the church is not a social club. The church is not a building. The church 
is not about entertainment. But here's a good working biblical definition of a church that I found right here in 1 Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father of your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in the Lord. Because brothers, we know that God did something in you. Verse 9 says, we, we heard the report. We see how that you've turned to God. You used to serve idols, but now you're serving the true and living God. A church is a community of redeemed people. A group of people who are loved by God, who've been changed by God. And now, you know what? Now we love each other. And what does that look like? I love it. He gives us a definition of that. He uses three phrases. Work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope. Let's look at those real quick. He says, I I see in you, I remember, I see Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith. In other words, their belief and their behavior matched. Now I'm going to say something and I want you to hang on to this. You don't have to tell me what you believe for me to know what you believe. The truth is... I can observe your behavior and know exactly what you believe. Now, it's easy for me to say, I believe this and I believe that. But when the rubber meets the road, it's not about what I say I believe. It's what I'm actually involved in. Do you understand where I'm going? I mean, you've got to be sure that what you say and what you do matches up. That's the whole issue of belief and behavior. And for these believers, what they said they believed matched up with how they lived. It was a work of faith. They were the real deal. There was nothing fake about this church. There's a Greek word called hypocrite. Hypocrite's an interesting word. It's, it's, uh, in the Greek, it was a, a picture of a play actor. You would have all these, these actors, these musicians, and they would travel from town to town. And maybe it was only one man doing three parts. But how would you distinguish each part? Because he would take off one mask and put on another mask. That's the imagery here. These folks didn't wear a mask. What you saw was what you got. They were real. They were true. And they were authentic. Why? Because what they did matched what they said they believed. Second thing. Labor of love. The whole phrase labor of love means that... I mean, it sounds like exactly what it means. Labor, difficulty, this immense love. Last week, our our daughter-in-law, Lauren, gave birth to our tenth grandchild... Now, we weren't there, you know, that you can't go like you used to go. Drives me nuts. But I was there in the room with our eight. And I remember Pat, I remember the first one, it was so vivid because, you know, the first one, it's, it's all new and everything's new. And, and she's over there and I'm trying to be sweet and nice, but I'm scared to death. I mean, it's all new. And Pat said, well, I'm just kind of hot over here. And so I start fanning her. And all of a sudden, my sweet, look at her. She's a sweet, kind lady. 
I'm trying to fan her, and all of a sudden she looks at me and she goes, That's not how you fan somebody. This is how you fan somebody. <laughs> oh, oh my. Oh my gosh. It was like a demon coming out of her. I, I, so I, I remember, okay, it's near 10 centimeters, it's time. She starts pushing. She's agonizing. I'm trying to be a cheerleader. I mean, I'm over there praying, Lord, please let this hurry. Please let this hurry. And the, I mean, the doctor really did. He did a very poor job of telling me what to expect. And Pat had a little difficulty. And she's giving it all she's got. And they take this little thing. And so they're, now, they're trying to, now they're trying to suck my boy out. All right? And they finally get Seth out. He's got a cone head. He's got, I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, y'all. Some of y'all may know what I'm talking about, okay? I wish that he had prepared me for that. Because in that moment, standing there at the hospital at Greenville Memorial, all I could think about was this. Hi, let me introduce my son, the cone head. All right? That's all I was thinking about. But I watched Pat, I mean, it was, it was like every bit of strength, it took every bit of Pat's strength. She labored, she toiled. It was difficult. But Pat will tell you she loved every minute of it. Now ladies, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's the imagery here. This labor of love. It's, 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 it's more than just words. A little girl was spending the night with her friend. First time she ever spent the night with my home. And so her friend's mom said, Hey, we're going to have some chicken tonight and we're going to have broccoli as our dessert. Do you, do you like broccoli? And the little girl said, Oh, I love broccoli. So they're sitting around the table and mom notices that the little girl hasn't had any broccoli. And she said, sweetheart, I thought you told me that you love broccoli. And she said, oh, I do love broccoli, but just not enough to eat it. (laughs) When these people said, I love you and I will do what it takes, guess what? They, They meant it. That's the picture here. This is a picture of intentional relationship in the body of Christ. This is, this is biblical discipleship at its best. There's the work of faith. There's the labor of love. There's the patience of hope. Patience of hope just means they did not quit. They didn't give up. As hard as it got, they just kept going. And when you watch the flow of how this text plays itself out, you understand that this church, I mean, this was just a part of its DNA. If you cut the members of this church, you saw faith, you saw love, and you saw hope for the future. And they were not in the best place. They were not in an area that was easy to live out their faith. But they did it. And Paul recognized this. This church had a reputation of faith and love and hope. Pomper Springs, let me ask you a question. What is your reputation in this community? First 
church I ever pastored, I thought that would be important for me to find out. So I was pastoring outside of Charlotte, Anson County, North Carolina. And I began to drive around that area asking people who were not members of our church, what do you think about our church? What is our church known for? And do you know what that church, the number one response I got? We had the the prettiest cemetery. That'd bless a pastor's heart, wouldn't it? What you known for? Got a pretty cemetery. What they didn't know is years ago they'd messed all their paperwork up. Truth is, we had bodies buried on top of bodies. But it was pretty on top. What do you think you're known for in this community? What if I told you that last week I spent about seven hours in this community riding around finding people who aren't members here and I began to ask them, tell me what you think about Poplar Springs. Would you like to know some of the answers that I got? Well, actually I didn't do it. I just wanted you to go with me there for a minute. But I might. I might. What do you think about the church reputation? Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus is pleased with your reputation as a church? Reputation has to do with your identity. And the the one thing that is crystal clear with this church is their identity is in the fact that they are following Jesus when they used to follow idols, but they're no longer following idols. They are following the true and living God. And I'm telling you, that statement, we are following the true and living God, they meant what they said. They were living it out. In these listening sessions that we are having, listen, I'm going to discover what you believe. I'm going to discover some of the things of your reputation as a church. And I want you to be careful. What if God began to show us that there's some idols here? Again, what are you talking about? Idols? We have no idols at Poplar Springs. Be careful. A.B. Simpson once said this, As long as you want anything very much, especially more than you want God, it is an idol. John Ruskin said God will put up with a great many things in the human heart, but there is one thing that he will not put up with, and it is called second place. He who offers God a second place offers him no place. I've known people that love gospel music, but the problem is they've made gospel music their idol. I've I've known people to, 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 to like certain things about their church, and it's not because they're proud of the gospel. They're proud because it's a safe, clean place from the world. And they don't want the worldly people inside the door. Let me tell you something. That's not a church. That's become a place that is filled with idols. So what are you known for? What's your reputation? Do you have a reputation of love? Do you have a reputation of faith? Do you have a reputation of hope? 
I didn't get a lot of amens, but you're welcome anyway. Last thing. And this will be the springboard for next week, okay? We must share His love and grace. It is impossible. By the time you get to verse 9, you, you, it's very clear, 8, 9, and 10, that there's something going on in this church. They were not ashamed of what Jesus had done in them, and they wanted people to know. Three things you see. Verse 8, there's a witness. They had a gospel witness. And they were not ashamed. And they were willing to do whatever it took to be sure that people heard the gospel. Doug, that's why I'm so excited about Upward. Now, look, I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm a newbie. I'm just here temporarily. And so, I mean, I, I, can, I can say a lot of things. <laughs> this is a beautiful thing. I can say a lot of things, right? But I'm, I am really thrilled that you're looking at Upward Soccer. I remember years ago pastoring a church in Greenville for 16 years and we were part of Upward Basketball. And I'm telling you, there were times that we would see over 400 people participating in a season. I can't tell you how many times the gospel was shared. How influential that was in people's lives. Not only to those kids, but I'm telling you, we ministered to moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles. It was amazing. Do you want this to be a safe place? Or do you want this to be a place where the gospel is still the gospel? You ready to roll your sleeves up and go to work? I know you're in a transition period. If you're not careful, you will think what you need to do in a transition period is just sit still and wait and see what happens. Absolutely not, brother. It is not the time to sit down. It is the time to roll the sleeves up and go to work. Somebody say amen. It's time to witness. It's time to be salt and light. It's time to reflect the grace of God. When I, when I was growing up, we, uh, oh, my soul, my soul, my time is gone. But, but uh, my dad always had reflectors at the end of the driveway. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, the reflectors weren't light, but the reflectors reflected what? Light. So when you would come down Valley Drive and you, you, you could see those red reflectors, you knew that you were getting ready to go in that driveway. You would slow down and you would, you, you would turn in. Now, our witness is to reflect what? To reflect the grace of God that has changed me, changed you, changed us. We are a part of the community of the redeemed. And because we're part of the redeemed community, guess what we want to see? We want to see other people redeemed. That's what being a church is. So it's their witness. It's their walk. They had turned from idols. They're they're falling after the true and living God. It was their wait. By the time you get to verse 10, it says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, who delivers us from the wrath to come. On the right end today, we... uh, we, we like to listen to preaching and we like to listen to music. And today, for whatever reason, we, 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 we couldn't find, we just couldn't find preaching that was clear. And we listened to music and, but there was one song that just kept going over and over in my mind. And Pat was playing it while we were getting dressed this morning. It 
Y'all know the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? The whole thing's great, isn't it? But the verse that I just kept clinging to this morning, I guess because of verse 10, I just kept thinking, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sighed. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. He's coming, y'all. Do you know that? He is coming. That's why today is the day to live like eternity matters because our Lord is coming again. He's coming. He's coming. And I don't want Jesus to come back on my watch here and us be sitting around doing nothing. It's time to get in the game. Amen? And when we cut ourselves, I pray that we would bleed faith, love, and hope. All because of the gospel and all for the gospel and its mission to redeem. Lord, thank you for your word. God, today I'm asking you to challenge our hearts, Lord. Lord, sometimes in church life we can begin to think things should be a certain way. And all of us have a preference, but God, what we need to be reminded of today is what you designed in a church, what you are pleased with in a church. And Lord, in a transition period, I'm afraid that one of the things that we have to be so careful of is that we don't let our preferences become an idol. And that we get our heart off of Jesus, our mind off of Jesus, our eyes off of Jesus. That we somehow, God, want to play everything safe and close and comfortable. Or that we don't want to get our hands dirty. God, show us today that being the church means that, God, people's lives are messy. But if we're going to be the church that you died for us to be, God, it's okay because we know that that's love. And that, God, we, we're, going to, we're going to do whatever it takes to, to, to let a world around us know that our faith is rock solid. There is no fake Christianity here at Poplar Springs. That, God, that we have a deep love and a, and a love that's willing to do whatever it takes because, Jesus, you did what you, you made the ultimate sacrifice. That we could know you and your love and your forgiveness. And that God, you would save us from the wrath to come. That God, you would place in us this hope. And so Lord, I'm asking you, would you challenge us today? God, if we're hanging on to something, if we've put you second place. God, let us recognize that as an idol. And we want to turn from our idols and we want to trust and follow the living God.
God, maybe there's someone here today that's never trusted you. But Lord, today could be the day that they will trust you as Lord and Savior. God, maybe there's someone here today that needs a church home. And today, God, you're calling someone to, to, to anchor in and to, to be a part of this redeemed community right here. God, whatever you want to do in this invitation, I'm asking you to do for your good and for your glory. So Jesus, have your way. We will trust you for it all. In Christ's name. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a beloved hymn this morning that many of you know. I'm going to be down here toward the front. If you need to speak to me, I'll make myself available to you. Maybe you just want to come find a place around this altar and pray. Whatever God's calling you to do right now, just trust Him to do it. glad you came today amen thank you brother Ken thank you 
As you leave today, there will be some men there to uh, receive your offerings and their boxes out on the wall as you go out the portico, little black boxes. That's for uh, offerings. If you feel more comfortable placing them there, then please do so. And we'll look forward to it. Hey, listen, I want to remind you about Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights are going great, but you need to sign up if you're going to eat so they'll know how many to prepare for because I don't want anybody getting my whatever. We're having this week, so I want you to sign up so that um, so everybody will have enough to eat. Also, uh, Carol McClellan is uh, teaching a class, um, one at a time. It talks about how Jesus called disciples. We're doing one in the fellowship hall. That's in room 107, I think, 107. And then Joey is doing um, PS 101, and that is over in... Um, K Melba Sunday School class. If uh, you know where that is, if you don't know where that is, come and find me, and I'll take you there. And then I'll be in the uh, fellowship hall um, teaching about replicate. Replicate. That's what Jesus has called us to do. You know, your purpose is to make another one just like you. If you're a Christian, it's not about how much you can say to somebody about Jesus, what you can show them that He's done in your life, making them have a story also. So please come to that. Our youth and children meet. Youth meet over in their uh, Sunday school class area down in the older section. But uh, with Jason McAbee, don't forget that. They also have Sunday school on Sunday mornings. Don't forget that. Um, and then children, they, they are, where are they, Kim? Where are kids on Wednesday nights? All in the, everything's in the children's area. There's all kind of things. So don't... Uh, Forget to bring them and be a part. Wasn't it great to have them up here today? I tell you, that was fun to see and to hear. Uh, personal note before we leave. Thank you for these five years. It's been great. It's been wonderful. I was glad to see Bill Selman and Nan here this morning who just preceded me here. And uh, it's been great. Thank you for all you've done for our family. You've been with us when we've had personal loss and we as a church have endured great loss together. And thank you for being there. When I've been uh, sick, I appreciate that very much, and I'm doing great. Don't I look good? <laughs> so I think that's good. I'll hear it. Come on. Okay. Thank you very much. Pray for me on the journey. It's a journey. Let's pray together as we're dismissed today. Lord Jesus. How thankful we are that we can just come here in your name, that we can worship the Father, that we can hear from him. That the Holy Spirit would walk up and down these aisles and whisper in our ears, even as Brother Ken is speaking. Because there's something he's trying to say to each one of us. Lord, I pray that we will have ears to hear. And that we will hear, that we'll trust and obey. That in days to come we will have better days than we've ever had before. I pray that our reputation will be they are authentic, Jesus-worshiping, God-loving, people-loving folks. Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name.